Hello and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. My name is Alex. I am joined by the crew, which we'll get to in just a moment. But please keep in mind, this is it. This is the last episode of Equity for 2021. We did 17,419 episodes across 914,000 minutes. There were 6.4 billion of you and I'm tired. But the good news is we're done until next week. So with me today is Natasha Moscarinas. Natasha, hello. How are you? Now I'm starting to think, are those numbers real? Because they actually could be and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> They're not real. They're off by a factor of between 1,000 and 1 million, depending. Um, also, I just made them up. Uh, Marianne, you're here too. How are you feeling? Well, like I said, I'm kind of in a pissed off mood today, but I'm still looking forward to this. It's going to be fun. Yes. We have brought full spicy Marianne. There is no Diet Coke involved. It's going to be 100% real. It's going to be great. But Keep in mind, this is our end of the year. This is our prediction episode. So we are not just here as a three. No, we have brought along the production team. Uh, it is a tradition here around equity to have the production team join us on the mics and essentially share in the predictions because what you don't know is behind the scenes, they are helping to shape episodes, find trends, spot narratives, and generally not sound stupid. So they are as involved in this stuff as we are just quietly. And so I think for the first time, Grace Mendenhall, say, say hello. Hello. Testing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Grace. She records the Monday show with me. She does a bunch of her editing, a lot of our script work. She's fantastic. And of course, Chris Gates, as always. Hello. How's the beard? It's good. Yeah, I'm here on my one episode a year and uh, I'm excited to be in front of the mic. I, you know, I normally am behind the camera and behind the mic because uh, most producers like just hate being in front. So we are out of our comfort zone and, and we're happy to be here. We're thrilled you're here, too. <laughs> I volunteered to edit the show, so we're all out of our comfort zone. Uh, Can you imagine? All the curse oh words God. are in. Wow, wow. I'll have you guys know, my first job in college was video and audio production. So yes, I have once in the past made a poor audio edit. All right. Oh, uh, sorry. That wasn't a joke. No. I literally just signed up for the job at UChicago that paid the most for students. And I kind of fibbed my qualifications, showed up, and they had to teach me everything. But I didn't get fired. Okay, moving on. We are going to start today with last year's predictions. We are going to quickly go through, grade ourselves, and then jump into the meat of the show, which is what the hell is going to happen next year. But first, let's see how poorly we did. Looking at 2021, last December, Natasha, please self-flagellate first. <laughs> so I'm going to give myself a B plus. I would have Ooh. given an A if I was a little bit more daring with my predictions last year. They all were pretty conservative. So that's my biggest complaint. My first one was that YC batches will get bigger. They did. <laughs> Plot twist. Plot Out twist. Turn. Huge. Yeah, yeah that very 100% right <laughs> on that one. That, that one was a good one. But also, like, how would they have not, you know? Like, not yeah. to be hard on myself, but there was no world in which YC batches were getting smaller. They're yeah. going to be up to 1,000, as we're going to talk about, as we've probably already talked about on the show two weeks yeah. ago. <laughs> Holiday episodes get a little strange when we record them. Uh, you also said that companies were going to tell us more about their diversity data on a scale of one to 10. Where was that? I would give it a solid 3.5. Wow. That, that was definitely me like manifesting more than predicting, which is also yeah. the energy I'm going to bring on this show. I'm just going to manifest what I hope happens in tech versus predict things that actually <laughs> may happen. And then, yeah, I guess two last ones were that Quizlet and Duolingo would IPO. Quizlet actually like has hired roles in preparation for an IPO, which was exciting. And Duolingo fully did, as we, I think, did like way too many episodes about. So, we did not do job. too many episodes about no. that. We did important episodes. Uh, Natasha, and last year, um, SF Comeback. 
how did that kind of bear out? You're back in SF most of the time. I am back in SF and I will say like my networking schedule is full, but it's mostly from people who are in town for weeks versus leases. So I think I was wrong in expecting an SF comeback in the way that I imagined. All right, Chris, this is a pivot over to you because you said that SF is going to, quote, survive. So I'm curious, is the city still there? The fact that Natasha and I both had this in our predictions really speaks to uh, what we were thinking about at the end of the year last year. And Mm -hmm. there was like a huge fleeing of San Francisco at the time. And so there was lots of talk about whether San Francisco would survive. You know, I think it's a very long conversation about the, you know, politics and the state of San Francisco. And SF did survive. It is not roaring back. It's a boom and bust town. And we are somewhere between a boom and a bust. Miami is supposed to be the hot new thing. Everyone was like, SF is over. New York City is over. Everyone's going to be living in remote Iowa with cows. It it turned out not to be the case. It turns out most people are still in SF, New York, or another major city like Miami or Austin. And so I think think they were directionally right. I just don't think any of us thought that COVID was still going to be here. Yeah. I feel like I would love to just give it like another one year. Like, let's keep those predictions. And then like, let's come back next year about them. (laughs) Here's a way to go ahead and vet this. 2022 us, Chris, when you listen back to this in 12 months, rent prices in SF, have they gone up from this point in time? I think that'll be indicative of demand for, uh, for access to the city and so forth. But Chris, a couple more from you really quickly. You had a couple of headlines in here. Do you want to run down your uh, quick Tesla predictions? Mainly I had one more prediction because the rest of them I cut in the edit. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's bad. It. I'm just cutting myself. This so, is why producers shouldn't be on the show. Right? Exactly. Wait, I was realizing this. That's such a hack. Way too much power. <laughs> so my, my last one was that self-driving was going to become much more actualized in 2021. And that I think was an epic fail. Uh, Some of the headlines from self-driving this past year are Tesla refutes Elon's timeline on (laughs) self-driving. Musk admits self-driving system is not great. (laughs) Tesla requires full self-driving testers to allow video connection in case of crash. Mm. Um, So just, I think, story after story about how we did not make it and my prediction did not come true. So I have to admit, I'm kind of relieved about that. (laughs) <laughs> You're afraid of the self-driving, Marianne? Yeah, yeah, I, I really, yeah. really am. So. That's because you live in Texas. And in Texas, exactly. the roads are, are, are straight, there's plenty of parking, and they are wide. Where I live, which is on a hill, which was settled in like 1413, I essentially live with goat tracks, which means driving sucks. And I want someone else to drive me. So I'm just saying there's some geographic bias in that statement. Perhaps. Oh, crap, it's my turn. Uh, it quickly, is. I said weed startups were going to do really well. Eh, they did fine. I don't think yeah. Seth Rogen did that thing. Seth Rogen did a thing. I mean, legalization continued at a slower pace than I expected, but it's still grinding along. So I'm going to give myself like a, like a four out of 10 on that one. Media will make money on software. The context was New York Times was making stuff that they were selling. Axios was selling software. I think Vox has their core CMS they can buy. I'm, yeah, kind of, but not really. There's no trend there. So I'm going to give myself a zero out of that. And then uh, uh, lots of IPOs, because I also gave myself a layup, apparently, in my predictions. Uh, yes, correct. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give myself a C- minus on last year's predictions, because they, they, they were both boring and partially wrong. So not, not much to kind of write home about. All right, uh, let's talk about next year. Natasha, we have put this into buckets. Tell everyone how we're going to proceed through this list. Yeah, so we're all going to take turns getting through a few buckets. So we're going to go venture capital trends, crypto, then startup trends, media, 
deep tech and then other. So we'll see how much we actually get through. And I know things are going to blend over, but we thought grouping them together will make it easier for you guys to get a temperature check on how all of us are feeling about these buckets that we've talked about the whole year. So I guess I'll start because I think for me, like a big theme of 2022 is going to be navigation and how money flows and is directed. So I totally see fundraising marketplaces becoming a thing again. Before I really started writing on tech, fundraising marketplaces in which a founder would show up, put in their information and then get money or get options of which investors to pitch were starting to get outdated a little bit because things were faster, looser and more informal. But given how much money there is these days, my prediction is that we're going to see a little bit of like, hey, we need to focus on crypto for the month of October. And as a result, these are the investors you should reach out to. So I'm hoping for a little bit more boundaries. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense because of just like you said, the amount of money that there is. It makes sense that there would become more organization tools for people trying to connect that money to the people who are looking for it. So I'm in support of this one. Yeah, I covered Party Round earlier this year. They're trying to do kind of a, a new way of doing the friends and family round. That's all about community and bringing people together. So Natasha, I think that's pretty good. I'll throw one in here. I think that unless something big breaks, like a hot war between China and Taiwan, I think the general bullishness in the technology sector will persist into next year. Not saying that it's going to be as fever pitched as kind of the middle of 2021, but I don't see any major macro changes in the near term that would cause a massive disruption. So I think most of the stuff we've seen will persist, which is a little boring, but at the same time, I think it's pretty valid. Let's talk about crypto. Marianne, you talked about regulation in your predictions. What's up there? Yeah, I mean, we all know that crypto needs regulation, or at least I think we all know that. I feel like that's something that has to happen, and it will. It will happen at some point. There was a story that came out about a a bot placing an order for an NFT, and there was a mistake on the price, right? It was like, accidentally, it sold for $3,000 when it should have sold for $300,000. And by the time the person who listed it realized it was too late because a bot had caught it and bought it and then resold. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, to me, that's just a prime example. I mean, we need more regulation. It sucks. I felt really bad for this individual who had just made this typo and then, you know, lost out on a load of money. Marianne, what's the number one rule of equity? We don't feel sorry for rich people. <laughs> and, well, and this was a mistake of his because he sells so many NFTs online that he didn't pay attention to the decimal point. So he sold it for what? Like, what? He mis- 0. 0.75 misplaced it. Ethereum 0. instead 0. 7, of 75 yeah. Ethereum. That's oh it. my God. Totally. That's and so he just like was going too fast. I don't feel sorry. I'm like. You know I'm why like, I feel bad? Let mistake, me tell you why bro. I feel bad, you're guys. Mistake. Okay, because <laughs> we make typos all the freaking time as journalists, and we have the the option to go in and correct those typos. So imagine if, when we made a typo, we lost like hundreds of thousands of dollars. On, so I'm sorry, I I did feel kind of bad for him from that respect. I agree with this because it's like less about him and more like we're in a place right, right now as an right. ecosystem where this can happen and there's no guardrails around that. Exactly. So I feel it's like not just be... the individual case. It's like it can happen, period. Right. I mean, it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Grace, you also have thoughts on where crypto is heading. Yes. So how are you feeling about with Marianne's take? Where where are you feeling? I mean, it's interesting to think about it in terms of how regulations will have an impact on crypto. But my prediction was that crypto will become kind of less crypto 
which is sad to me. I feel like crypto has this huge opportunity to be this revolutionary force. And kind of some of the stuff I'm seeing lately, particularly we talked about it with OpenSea and the potential of OpenSea to go public. Mm. It seems like there's a, a potential for crypto to become more and more subsumed into these sort of traditional structures and lose this like decentralized magic that crypto embodies. So I just hope to see more conversation about that in the next year. And, and I, I want crypto to like stay true to itself and this revolutionary potential that it has. I feel like there's the push pull between the two comments, really. It's like, there's the deregulated, decentralized, and then there's trust and the ability to have that regulation and guardrails and that there's that push pull right now in crypto and grace you're saying that the guardrails will get built and i think that that makes sense yeah chris you had a couple of predictions as well on the crypto front talking about gas fees changing inflation what's the kind of nub of your view of crypto for next year my, my nub is you know i think we as a group have talked a lot about crypto and blockchain need to find a use case that you can't ignore and that is a conversation, especially that's like, Alex, that's you all the way. Like you've planted that flag. And I think that's right. I also think that crypto has found the use case in art and NFT projects. Just the number of transactions that are happening in the space is really hard to ignore as a data point of like quick adoption. And I foresee that continuing on. And there are all these problems with NFTs at the moment that a lot of people are trying to solve for. So I'm going to be watching for the accessibility into that world to come to come down, right? The yeah, barrier this, to entry. Yeah. This fits into Grace's comment perfectly because, you know, if there's a way for crypto to still be punk and to actually bring economic value to individual creators who are not part of the Cool Kid Discord group, I'm here for it. Yeah. If it just ends up enriching the same venture capitalists that made money in the last tech cycle, I don't care. Exactly. Um, 100%. Yeah. Although, Agreed. I just thought of a great crypto project. I'm just going to give it away for free. Um, ACAB coin and all the proceeds <laughs> go to bail funds and suing lying police officers who perjured themselves in court. Okay. We'll love that. Uh, <laughs> Natasha, we're moving on to startup trends. And you have a prediction here that I don't know what it means. So I want to know. <laughs> What the hell is a business in a box and why is it coming back as a startup strategy? The common pitch from YC startups maybe two years ago was that we are going to help you as a startup figure out everything you need to be a startup. So like beyond AWS, how do we help you with your sales pitches and your backend infrastructure and how you end up pitching to investors even? There was like this way that like startups would pitch to investors for their portfolio companies a while ago that really feels like it disappeared for the last year. And I think it's going to come back because I, I think they're like the boom of entrepreneurship and the boom of betting on yourself has become so big that we've learned that you don't need to have everything figured out and you can just go to one of these platforms now this time with more infrastructure and more awareness of what it takes to build a startup than maybe two years ago. Huh. I like that. Marianne, you talked to a lot of early stage founders. Does that resonate with you as an idea or is Natasha being too optimistic? No, no, I actually very much agree with her. And I would say that I've seen a couple of startups over the past few months that fall into this category. So I could see it becoming more popular again next year. And I really think it was very insightful of you, Natasha, to point out that we are seeing a lot more people wanting to start their own businesses. So demand for this sort of thing would likely be higher. So so I'm on board with this one. Sticking to you, Marianne, you were talking in the predictions doc about there being a trend of companies taking underutilized assets and putting them onto a marketplace. I, I'm curious, 
One, does that fit into Natasha's uh, prediction? And two, what might we see brought onto marketplace next year? Yeah, it kind of does, but kind of doesn't. Because in some of these cases with the marketplaces, they're the ones helping make like everyday people become business owners. So it's not, it kind of is, you know, but within a, a different model. But yeah, this year I did write about at least two and wanted to write about a third, but didn't get uh, time. It's startups who are taking like underutilized assets or unused space, for example, putting it on a marketplace, and then they're pairing up people who might want to use those spaces. And so, you know, kind of like the Airbnb concept, but to like self-storage, like neighbor. Neighbors like helping people. Say you've got this shed in the back that's totally unused well guess what you can rent it out to your neighbor that lives a mile over and that they don't have to go far to access their storage you make money things like that so swimply who i wrote about you know they came up with a brilliant idea of people renting out their pools because like okay how many people that own a pool use it very very often we use this we we tried to find a pool for my kids birthday party and we were like we could go on and rent a pool and it yeah so did it work i couldn't find one i I couldn't find one (laughs) (laughs) they were were too expensive yeah well it might be because of where you live because they're top markets there are no pools in oakland (laughs) yeah like the bay area is probably you're not going to find as many pools as you would yeah. as somewhere like where I am, Austin, which is like their, their second top totally. market. But anyway, yeah. yeah. But the whole point of all that is that I kind of love this, right? Instead of building more pools, building more storage facilities, let's take things that already exist and then let people use those for a certain amount of money. Let these everyday people make more money by renting yeah. out that space. Like, I, I love this model. So I hope we see more of it. I think we will. I love everything about that, except for the name Swimply, which sounds <laughs> like I'm swinging a wimp around by the arms and I'm going to throw him at someone. It's Swim <laughs> Simply. Swim. Oh, swim. I guess that works. <laughs> yeah. Guess. yeah. Swimp is a new verb. <laughs> I, I needed okay. to be walked through that one. Uh-huh. Thank you, Grace. Yeah, actually, yeah. same. I love that you were like, actually, it's obvious. To me. Yeah, I love it. I'm so into it. <laughs> Swimply. Uh, well, don't read the newsletter when I write bad startup name of the week entries for Daily Crunch, because I love to do that. Can we can we talk about climate, though? We had a couple of predictions yes. for climate in here. Uh, Natasha, you had one. Grace, you had one. Why is climate like the hot noon sun over your head blasting down thoughts? Well, uh, because it is the hot noon sun over my head blasting down <laughs> thoughts. It's like so hard to ignore. I mean, it's impacting everything. Climate change is here. I just don't think it's a thing that a company can avoid anymore. And I think we're starting to see ways that companies are starting to work it in not only, you know, climate startups, but like every startup. But to your point, Grace, the companies that we're just talking about are all touting the sustainability component of being more environmentally friendly by helping prevent more construction, right? When you can just use what's already there. To add on to that, though, I, I wonder how much it's going to be just some a label or a marketing ploy that companies use to actually trying to solve problems. You know, I think it's like really trendy to be like, we're solving for climate. And you're just slapping that on like a gas company. I'm skeptical around the label, but I agree there are more people looking at it than ever. I just feel like it's at a place now where it's starting to impact the bottom line. And once it starts to impact the bottom line, like then, you know, for better or worse, like that brings the company on board. Yeah. Just to add a really tiny detail about how it is showing up in the bottom line. I mean, I think I talked about this on the show, but like Hippo, a neo insurance company, went public via SPAC, 
they had a tough quarter a couple quarters ago because of a hailstorm in Texas, I think it was, and that like literally just beat the crap out of a bunch of houses they'd insured, and so that made their quarter kind of crappy. If I, yeah. I'm getting probably detailed in there yeah. wrong, but it was something like that. So we are seeing weather patterns impact startup and unicorn bottom lines. That's interesting. Just to like close up the climate section a little bit, I think my excitement with this becoming more of like a horizontal category than like just a vertical for climate startups to talk to climate startups is it's going to at least raise the bar and make everyone else a lot more fluent on what's actually sustainable yeah. and what actually isn't. I think it's something that we've a lot of companies have had the privilege to avoid talking about for a while. So I'm excited for the bar to raise for all of us. Yeah. Speaking of uh, climate and doom and leaving Earth, Chris, you have a starship prediction here that I think I want on the record for next year. Well, it's more of a, what I will be looking at. And Do you want some trimmers for that hedge? Uh, I mean, okay, okay, well, <laughs> SpaceX is predicting or has said that they are going to launch their starship next year. And I will be watching if that happens. When that does happen, I think that that will mark the next phase in the space boom. Because it's just the capabilities. If they can make that thing actually work, it's going to up the amount of stuff they can take into space. And then that will be a new phase of the space boom. I need help with this. My hot take is I'm anti-space boom. And <laughs> I just like, I, I want to know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> first of all. Space. How can I, you be anti-space? I'm pro-Earth. Anti <laughs> and I'm curious, like, why do we need to be like, what is the benefit of a new space boom? Somebody so, sell me on this. <laughs> so let's go back and let's go back in time. Why should we go across the ocean? When we, have, we already have Portugal. <laughs> I mean, like, it's what's next, not to quote the West Wing, but like, my gosh, it is literally the future. There's so many resources that go into a single space flight, like resources that I feel like could be put to use in other ways that could help this immense amount of people. It's a utilitarian argument, and I can't get over this immense amount of resources that it takes every time someone wants to do this. I agree with that. Like, I I agree mm -hmm. with the idea that the space boom seems nuanced in how effective and useful it will be for our future. Like the, the tourism stuff can't get behind. Not excited yeah, about right. it. That's definitely exactly. just rich people trying to be yeah. exciting. Yeah. But there is probably aspects of it that are going to be great for sustainability and for science. And that, I guess, is where I hope we see innovation go. I agree. I feel like some of these these flights have become very self-indulgent and that just oh, is, yeah. it's irritating to watch. But, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of fruitful information to be gleaned. But I'm kind of, yeah, I, I would have to say I'm not I'm not anti-space, but I'm still kind <laughs> of like not where you are quite yet, Chris. Well, I mean, my gosh, I didn't realize I was hanging out on the Luddite patrol. Uh, just to put this into perspective, Grace, a person, by the way, just in case anyone's curious, I absolutely freaking think is the best, even though if she is the crunchy hippie of the equity team. Um, how do we know that the ice shelves are falling apart in the Arctic and the Antarctic? Well, it's because we have satellites up there that are taking images that lets us see kind of through them and what's going on which go up in space, not on slingshots made of bubblegum that are sold at the dollar store, but instead on very large phallic rockets that morons put together because they were very <laughs> terrified of their like mortality. Look, there's a lot of excess in space, but we had the same argument as a country before the uh, Apollo program about using those resources. If we're going to get pissy about that, we have to get pissy about Disneyland and the waste of resources there and the fact that we have stadiums that run NFL games because it's a waste of resources. I am Let's incensed at some of the ways. <laughs> Fine. But I didn't think that was going to be your response. I don't I'm have ready. a rebuttal to that. <laughs> 
Are you an anti-capitalist? Because I feel like you might be on the wrong show. No, no, no. I mean, what Natasha and Marianne have to say is very much where I am in this anti-space hot take. It's like there are scientific applications that are certainly justified, wonderful, helpful, useful. Do we need space tourism? That's where it starts to lose me. Totally. I'm with you on that. But but if Grace is right that I I don't get to go to space and I really want to go to space. (laughs) I mean, they sent Captain Kirk to space. I mean, I've read so much science fiction. I think I've earned a free coupon to space. <laughs> My next prediction. Hard pivot. Is away from well, apparently the most controversial opinion we've had on the show. I know, right? All space. year. <laughs> Who would have thought? It's a slight pivot because it's also an Elon company. I will be watching Neuralink because they are very quiet. And I suspect that they will come out with new news, or I'm guessing they will come out with new news next year, maybe a move to Texas. And then also 2021, they demoed a working chip in a pig. I'm expecting maybe next year, will we see a working chip in the brain of a chimpanzee? I volunteer. (laughs) Someone's got to do it. I'm not very useful. <laughs> totally. Let's go. That's what I'm looking for in uh, Neuralink and then a few others. I think that the labor shortage is here to stay. And I'm looking for startups to start to build trying to solve that problem. Hmm. That's a good prediction. UiPath, if you want to reach out to Chris about how you're currently doing that, it's equitypod at techcrunch.com. <laughs> Natasha, please take us into the written media portion of this. Talk to me. Yeah, so for a long time, this show became like the media show. We were talking about yeah. Morning Brew getting acquired and... BuzzFeed launching a SPAC. And now I think we need to fast forward to next year and see what we think. My take is that startup PR is going to look very different next year than it did this year and just how it's been since I started reporting on tech because a lot of that was around funding rounds. And I just don't see funding round stories being the most useful way to catch up with companies anymore. And I made the argument that they were useful, I think like six months ago. I just see startup PR being a lot more How do we connect people to journalists? But after that, it has to be one-on-one relationships. This to me feels like a little bit of your manifesting, right? Because I think this is what we might want. I don't know if it's going to happen. I will say that this year of so many funding rounds has burned me out on funding rounds. And I don't get as excited about them like I used to. There are a few here and there, of course, that are like just super, super interesting. But there's just too many now. And like... They're coming faster and faster. And so at least from the perspective of a journalist, I'm going to be approaching them differently next year. I'm aiming to do fewer, to do more analytical, different types of articles. There's just simply too many of them. And frankly, like the, our ability to get more information is still pretty limited. Even though I, I, I sat around banging the drum of share more metrics for, I don't know, a year or two, mm-hmm. like people still don't want to and their investors don't want them to because they're, they're all being cowards. So yeah, I think I think one of my unofficial goals, I just had a call with Natasha, not about equity, but about equity as well, about kind of our goals for next year, just riffing about kind of what we wanted to do. And I, I think fewer funding rounds is on both of our minds because I, I don't know how useful they are for the audience. And fundamentally, I work for the readers. You know, Apollo pays yeah. me, but I work for the people who read TC and want to become better informed and smart enough to bring them the best shit. And I wonder if most of the funding rounds that I pick up here and there are that, or am I just kind of marking a moment in a company's history for them? I don't know. Right. Yeah, no, that's where I am too. To add to that, in addition to there being so many funding rounds, I think it also speaks to the imbalance of PR people to media people. 
And I think that that is only going to continue to shrink. We've seen some consolidation in the media space, especially with the BuzzFeed SPAC not going that well. I think that we'll probably see more consolidation because the exit options are narrowing. And that means with consolidation that there are less reporter jobs. And if there are less reporter jobs, then there are less people to get that news out. And if there are less people to get that news out, then companies are going to pivot away from PR strategies to content strategies. And so I'm guessing that more companies, more startups will bolster their content efforts in an attempt to try to get out their news because it's just too crowded in the media space. So subscribe to your local publication so we can hire more reporters so we can cover more things. <laughs> Alternatively, buy shares in Apollo and vote that TechCrunch gets more budget. <laughs> Always. You can leave that in Apollo, but if you take away my bonus, leave everyone else's bonuses intact. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, live audio, guys. This was the year of Clubhouse for about six weeks, and then it was not the year of Clubhouse, and it became the time we all just started to use Twitter Spaces because it was cool in there. We have some hot takes here. Uh, we're going to start with Chris, actually. You're bullish on live audio. Why? I think it's an interesting way to engage with an audience. You add in a live audio element and it just becomes another way to connect. And so I think that in terms of like a lean media strategy, having a newsletter, podcast, live audio trifecta is probably a really successful model. This fits into some of what I was thinking about for the new year too, just like who is a creator, the kind of definition of creator expanding. I really thought about it when we were talking about the OnlyFans news. People who are making adult content are creators. This definition of creator has been a lot bigger than we have acknowledged for a long time. And I'm excited slash hopeful to see the ways that innovations in the creator economy over this next year reflect that expanded definition. More on like how everyone's feeling these days. All my friends suddenly are thinking about themselves as a lot more than their jobs. And I don't know if that's just us getting through our mid-20s or people starting to ask for more and like want to be more than their job. So it's been really cool to see a lot of people, I guess, de-risk from that one paycheck that they get and kind of be shameless about it in a way that I'm very here for. So I would love to see the diversity of how we view them also empower more people to come in. Because I think 2021, we saw a lot of obvious moves to the Substack universe, but we didn't see any, I think, things that felt completely out of the ordinary. And I would love to see more out of the ordinary creators. Yeah. I'm just curious how much money there is to be made for most folks, what the passion economy really translates into for like actual viability, side hustle versus main income. And I, I think that, Natasha, you're dead on that this does seem to be kind of like a, like a cultural sea change. And I think it's because corporations have treated workers like disposable trash. And workers have eventually just said, well, if you're going to keep laying us off whenever you don't want to have staff anymore, uh, we're going to have some personal stuff. And I think it's going to force people to change their work contracts. Like if you tried to make me sign a thing right now that said, like, I don't own anything I do on my own time. I'm just not going to work for you. Just like yeah. if you told me I had to go to an office, I would be like, what are you, a Neanderthal? Do your knuckles literally drag through your cave? Like, I mean, no. What, what century are you in? I refuse. F no. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Now I'm pissed off, Marianne. You rubbed off on me. No, I totally I agree. I remember like this happened like I think a year ago or a year and a half ago. And someone like posted being like, why does Natasha have a sub stack that looks super bad for TechCrunch? That like hmm. she feels like she can't write on TechCrunch.com. And Pans actually quote tweeted it. And he was like, this is so cheesy. But he was just like, 
I would always love to hire people that love writing so much that they do it in their free time as well. Mm. And I feel like that was early when it comes to being okay with people doing stuff Mm. outside of their day job. And I'm not not monetizing it yet. And I don't know if I ever will, but I feel like that is something that I've held onto and want to see more of. If you ever want to monetize that, I volunteer to sponsor it in equity's name with my own money. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll be be talented writer <laughs> let's just shout it out over here natasha what is your Substack url so people oh can my find god natasha.substack.com yeah it's a pretty good url <laughs> uh, it's also it's also very good and worth reading okay Thank uh, you. let's move on to a couple of last predictions here one of mine we're not going to close out next year in the metaverse it's going to remain a niche thing i also think there's gonna be more kind of blocked tech mergers i think the regulatory change is here to stay Chris, you want to talk about fusion real quick i want fusion to be real <laughs> and there and there's money going to fusion cold fusion as an energy source it's been forever like right this has been the promise for i don't know how many years a bajillion but the amount of money going to the sector right now i think is notable this has been equities what we want to have happen next year show we will do our predictions episode some other time. And uh, we, uh, in all seriousness, uh, I don't know the exact day this is coming out, but it's right around the new year. So from everyone here in the equity family, a big hug. And we do hope that you have an even better next year than you did in 2021. Uh, we didn't get to see anybody. Hopefully we'll take the show on the road at some point in time. See it disrupt. Maybe stay cool. Bye. <laughs>